What is up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Um, If you can guess what was going on in the background, I will give you a high five. So guess what? I'm just going to tell you, actually. It was some sandrails down in Glamis because I love... I love sand. I love playing in the sand, all right? I'm not talking about digging tunnels when I'm five years old. I'm talking about sand rails. I'm talking about side-by-sides and dirt bikes and shit, all right? You know the vibe. If you've ever been there, you know it's the greatest place in the world. So sometimes before I do shit, I just watch videos of sand rails to hype me up because they're hype as it gets, right? You throw a fat-ass Chevy that's blown with some fucking turbocharger... You got a supercharger on that thing, just sending boost until you fucking get up in the air off a wheelie, but that's enough of me hyping up sand cars. Let's talk about me. My name is Canyon Radigan. Um, uh, I'm 20 years old. I just turned 20 last month, so fresh out of my teens, you know, fucking shittiest years of my life. No, I'm just kidding. When you're a teenager, that shit's gas. It's so much fun. You do whatever the fuck you want, and no one, no one really says, no one, no one even cares, alright? You get away with everything, until you don't, alright? That's what happened to me last year. Actually, on this date, I'm not gonna go into detail, but it was not allowing me to leave the state of Utah very, very easily, right? That's where I was before, here in Arizona. I was living in Utah, lived there for nine or 19 years, sorry, basically my whole life, up until I moved, and now I'm here in, uh, south phoenix uh i'm pretty close to south mountain it's a nice area you know we got crackheads we got a circle k um we got gunshots but i don't think they're dangerous i think it's just dudes getting drunk and just fucking shooting in the air because honestly who doesn't do that i'm just kidding with you i'm not gonna say that i have or haven't done that but i'm not gonna get mad at them for doing it that's all I'm going to say. All right, I'm going to call this podcast uh, Cars and Controversy with Canyon. That doesn't mean the podcast is just all going to be about cars and controversy, but the alliteration just seemed to fit. So I'm just going to call it Working Title for now. So I'm just chilling here, drinking my mate. I don't know why, because it's 10 o'clock at night, and uh, this mate is going to have me going. So... Yeah, if you don't know what mate is, I would look it up. It's probably my favorite thing to drink because I could just drink it all day. I can drink hot mate. I can drink mate iced with like some lime and some uh, agave, you know, spice things up a little. Maybe some mint if I'm trying to cool off on like a hot day or something, which it's hot here all the time, right? It just barely stopped being 100 degrees like every day. Guess what? It was 60 degrees today and... Literally half of my coworkers were wearing, like, sweatshirts and shit. I'm like, are you guys fucking serious? Last time this year, when I was in Utah at the ranch, it was, like, getting down to negative 22. Not necessarily where I was, but, like, literally up the hill in the ranch. One of the hunters there had a dash cam, and he's like, yo, check this out. And I'm like, what What am I looking at? He's like, look at the temperature gauge. And it's negative 22. I'm like, no wonder I'm freezing my dick off last night. I have both the fireplaces going and so that's that I mean I cannot complain about this weather but I mean I miss the snow that's for sure all right so I asked some people on my snapchat 
I said, what do you guys want to hear about? And we have Mr. Ricks right here. And he says, Raptor versus TRX, McLaren T50, does it do the F1 justice? And assuming you're already going to talk about the Hummer. Or the prototype 992 with widened fenders and noticeably higher ride height. Possible safari tribute? Question mark? Alright, so let's get into it. Raptor versus TRX. Alright, I've been on the Raptor bandwagon forever, just like everyone else has. Not necessarily because I like Ford or I like F-150s, but the Raptor is what everyone wants, right? We want a Baja truck for the road. Like, it's not a full-on Baja truck, but if you're going off-road, you know you could mop it. Like, my dad had a Raptor. is a first-gen. Honestly, I like the first-gens the most. Even though the frame is kind of complete shit and they fold when you jump them. But he had a first-gen. I drove that a little bit. And I was like, this is honestly a good truck. Like, the like I hear people talk about how the road manners are shitty, and it's like... Oh, really? What, did you expect it to drive like a fucking Porsche? No, didn't think so. But obviously, I love the Raptor because of what it is for, like, just the truck market. Like, it's literally had its own segment for 10 years, up until now that we have the TRX, which I want to get into because that shit is exciting, right? So Ram comes out of nowhere. Just kidding. They don't come out of nowhere with this TRX. And they're like, bam, TRX amazing it's got 700 horsepower right and it's it's got all the goodies all the suspension goodies it's wider and the thing just looks so mean and you can tell like when you look at pictures of the frame and all the suspension components it's built way better than a raptor like besides the fact that it actually has a real motor and not this fucking v6 with a couple respirators on it i mean that shit goes like i was looking at a test today where they said the uh the the trx did a 3.7 second zero to 60 i'm like what a truck doing a 3.7 second zero to 60 on some knobby ass off-road tires and it literally weighs like six thousand pounds like that's very impressive all right you get that thing on the dirt and it's gonna get rowdy and it does get rowdy you look at like all their press releases and stuff and they're in Canesville, just going hard. By the way, Canesville is in South Utah. I mean, if you haven't been there, that place is amazing. So anyone from Utah, you should go to Canesville. Or Canesville. I don't I'm pretty sure it's just Canesville, but yeah. Honestly, in my opinion, the TRX is a much better truck than the Raptor. I think it looks better. You can tell it's built way better. The only thing I don't like about the TRX is that massive touchscreen in the middle. I know you guys probably like touchscreens, but think about it. In like 10, 15 years, when we're in the apocalypse and everything goes to shit, you're not going to have software updates for your $100,000 truck. It's going to be worth dick, all right? People are going to just harvest the motor. And so, I, I that's not the whole reason I hate touchscreens. Like, I actually like physical buttons. Like, when I move my hand to go turn down the volume, the volume knob isn't always in the same place. Or if I'm trying to switch it to the navigation, it's always in the same place. Or the air conditioning especially, you shouldn't have to go through menus to get to air conditioning when you're driving. It's like, oh, you don't want me to text and drive, officer? Okay, what about this fucking computer screen I have in front of me? So, honestly, fuck you, Tesla and uh, Elon Musk. I'm not saying Elon Musk had that idea directly, but... 
I hate these new touchscreens in cars. I don't think they have a place. So, um, McLaren T50, does it do the F1 justice? And as I'm assuming, okay, the T50. I think it does the F1 justice. I don't think it's as hype as the F1 because I, I still think the F1 is the greatest car of all time. And I honestly think it always will be the greatest car of all time just because of its historical significance and its technological like boundaries that it pushed i mean they were using carbon fiber as much as they could throughout the whole car like including all the they made it it was like basically like the first car with a carbon tub right so that's where instead of you're having like a metal frame as the main part of the chassis you have this tub that's made out of carbon fiber and so you can mold it to whatever like seating pattern you want right which in the mclaren f1 they were really creative and they did a one plus two seating right so you have the driver in the center, and then you have the two passengers on the side. And uh, you, you have that driving experience, like a Formula One driver, right, where you're right in the middle of the cockpit, but you also have room for another person compared to, like, other hypercars and shit like that where they just have two seats. And, uh, yeah, the F1 was just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it still is the fastest naturally aspirated car. Yeah, you have, excuse me, yeah, you have other cars that are faster and stuff, but they're all boosted, all right? That's cheating. Just kidding. That's not cheating. Boost is great, but the F1 is just a marvel. Gordon Murray, that dude's a genius. He does not get enough credit. Some of those Formula One engineers, they do not get enough credit, and so the F1 was just pure genius, and the T50 is too because he took that same recipe, like the same exact recipe, right? And then uh, he's like, let's use modern, like, techniques to build it. Like, we got to make it lighter. Let's make it more powerful, but keep the same basic recipe, right? And it is more powerful by about, like, 50 horsepowers, but it's lighter, right? And uh, I'm sure it's more drivable, too. You have a suspension tech that has obviously evolved. And it's got a little hybrid boost on it, which I thought was really smart, you know? They're running the 48 volt system where you have all your pumps that instead of being run hydraulic or instead of being run off of the power from the engine, it's, it's being run off of like electronic pumps. So you don't rob power from the engine and uh, you can also package it a lot better because you don't have all that bulk of like things like pumps and shit that are chilling basically right at the crank and around the front or back of the motor but i thought that was really cool and uh then you have the fan on it too right it's not necessarily a fan car like the brabham or the brabham yeah that gordon murray designed because that one the skirts actually like touched the ground so you had like you sucked all the air from the underside of the car but obviously in a street car you can't have side skirts like that, so it just basically, I can't exactly remember where it pulls air from, but it does, it, it pulls air from high pressure areas of the car to give it a sleeker, a sleeker profile, so you have it be extremely aerodynamic, and it also has a good amount of downforce, but that downforce, you don't have to sacrifice drag, right, in most cars, you have to make that trade-off downforce or drag this little fan system gives that a nice you, you don't have to make that trade-off so i really like that 
I thought that was interesting. And uh, that's what I have to say about the T50. I'm excited to see them on the roads, assuming that I'll ever see one. I have seen one McLaren F1 in my life, and that was at Monterey Car Week. I literally almost shit my pants when I saw the car. It was a McLaren F1 LM. It wasn't the actual LM, it's the high downforce kit. And so, I mean, it's still a 13, 15 million dollar car, and it was just chilling there. Oh wait, no, you know what? I saw two, it was actually that same day, right? I saw the F1 LM with the high downforce kit, or the F1 with the high downforce kit, and then I saw an LM chilling in the RM Sotheby's garage. The garage is stuff that had been auctioned off. Uh, it was that, like, I can't remember. Volcano Orange, I think it's what it's called. It was beautiful. And then the security guard's like, hey, what are you doing here? And I dipped because I literally found a way in. Someone had left a cord in the door, right? And so I'm, like, it was propping the door open. And so I walked in, and I was astonished. Like, chilling right there was a black Maserati MC12. And then I saw that McLaren F1 LM. Those are the only two cars I remember because I was in there for probably like 30 seconds. And I was just, I was blown away. Like these had cars that have already been auctioned. And I went and looked it up and that same F1 had been auctioned off for $13 million. This is in 2015, mind you. This is when car prices, especially in the enthusiast market, really started to get fucking stupid expensive. And they still are. Like, I've been looking at, getting an RSX, because I'm like, oh, the RSX is an amazing car. Honestly, I think it's one of the best cars ever made. And, uh, it's, it's just a, it like, it's, that's, that same generation Civic, it's got a different subframe, like, it's a pretty different car, but it's nothing, like, insanely rare, but the prices are just going up, like, not, like, crazy, but you want to find, like, a clean RSX that's got, like, 120,000 miles, right? It's like 12 grand, okay? It's stupid. You find one with like under 100, under 80,000 miles, it's like 15 grand, all right? It's it's getting out of control, and so I don't know what to make of it. I hope it starts going down soon, honestly, but I don't think it will because automakers just aren't making exciting cars anymore, except for Ram. Shout out to Ram, all right? Back onto the TRX. That's another reason why it's so important because it in a day and time where you have Teslas dominating new car sales and you have people that want EVs, which I don't have anything against EVs. I work for EV company, but <sighs> there's nothing like a supercharged V8. Absolutely nothing. I don't care what you say about these EVs. All these electric trucks, they might be quicker than the TRX, but guess what? When you're spending $100,000, what are you going to buy? Huh? The TRX or Hummer? Hummer EV. Honestly, that Hummer EV is pretty badass, but that's just a lot to spend on a truck, especially a Hummer EV. I don't have anything against it. I think it's a great car. It's got all the cool tech, but I mean, when you really pull back the skin on that Hummer, like, actually, I'm not going to go into this because I don't know if I can. I don't want to talk about that either, but you know what, fuck it, I'm going to talk about it. So that Hummer H2, that idea has been around for a while. If you go online and you look up Chevy Silverado ZH2, you're going to see that exact same design language 
is in the Hummer, okay? Like, literally the exact same. Like, you have some stuff that they tweaked, obviously. They made a, the bed a little short, shorter to give that Hummer look with short with shorter overhangs over the rear wheels. You have that, uh, they didn't, the grill, they didn't even really change that much. They just kind of Hummerized it. And then, uh, like, even the fenders and stuff, you see that kind of angular fender flare look, which I think is brilliant. I honestly think that is a good look. Trucks will definitely move in that direction. You're going to see them go in two directions, like that Hummer EV kind of look, and then that TRX look. The TRX is curvy, but it everything looks like as purpose. Like, it's a serious, it's a serious truck. And for good reason. I mean, it's got 700 horsepower. But, yeah, the Hummer EV is pretty cool, too. So, if you want to spend 90 grand, you can either get a dinosaur of a truck which is that Hummer EV, or you can, or sorry, you can get that TRX, or you can get that Hummer EV, which is, honestly, that's a, like, that might be a hard decision for some people. I mean, not for me, because, let's be honest, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that Ram TRX, okay? It's not that I have anything against GM. I actually love GM. They're probably my favorite American car brand, but, that TRX is just sexy. I just think it's perfect, honestly. It's just such a good truck. And they're probably only going to make them for like two, three years. And then in 10 years, they're going to be worth double what they're selling for now. Because, like I'm saying, in an age where you have Hummer EVs and people are trying to get all these EVs, Ram just comes out of nowhere and builds a truck that gets 10 miles to the gallon. What the shit is that? That shit is brilliant, alright? Those guys at Ram, they deserve the Nobel Peace Prize, okay? Nobel people that are on the board for the Peace Prize, you better, listen to me, you better put them up there for that Peace Prize. Because honestly, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. Sorry, sorry, we're going off again. Um, let's see, what else? From Rick's again, he was asking me about that Safari 911, the 992 prototype. So for those of you who don't know, the 992 is the new generation of the Porsche 911. You know, the greatest car ever made. Uh, and there's this prototype running around with wider fenders, and it's got a pretty, pretty good increase on ride height. And... Uh, probably Rick's is saying it's probably Safari tribute I'm gonna have to agree with that because the 911 is all about heritage right and you've got all these heritage things that they just always do like between names and design design cues and stuff it's all about heritage especially with this 992 I think they killed it on the design they updated that front hood to that more early style of the 999 or the 911s, and then you have, like, the fenders that kind of harken back to the 993, that sexy, kind of bulbous 90s look, and then you have, like, the whole interior, which also kind of harkens back to those early 911s with the straight, the straight dashboard instead of, uh, what they were using in the previous 991 generation, which was kind of like, yeah, the center console, it split off in the dash, which it looked really good, 
Honestly, the 991 is probably my favorite generation of the 911s. Actually, I take that back. I love the 997s, but I haven't driven a 997. I have driven a 991. It was a Carrera 4S with the PDK, and that car was just amazing. I can't even imagine what a GT3 is like just because that car was so good. I'm like, wow, if this car is this good, the GT3 just must be, like, perfect. And so, but, yeah, Porsche and all of their heritage, I honestly think they are making a Safari tribute because you see stuff like the Taycan Cross Turismo concept where it's got the plastic fenders and it's got the higher ride height for off-roading because people want to off-road, all right? I don't care who you are. You like going off-road. You're not going to look at a road that's dirt and say, oh, no, we got to stop here. No, you're going to keep going, all right? And that does not exclude dudes that drive sports cars, especially 911s because... Honestly, the 911 can just do anything. It makes no sense to me. Like, that car shouldn't even exist. The engine sits behind the rear axle. The transmission goes forward to drive the rear wheels, if that makes any sense to people who don't know anything about cars. It doesn't make sense, honestly. But Porsche did it, and they've stuck with it through their freaking, their Nazi ideas. When I say Nazi ideas, I mean that shit, all right? Porsche's definitely part of that leftover, uh... Nazi party because the Nazi party wasn't about whatever history teaches it's about all right here we go into controversy the Nazi party was definitely just a scientist cult and the front the guys that were the front page of it were just like Hitler and those fucking goons they're just like oh yeah authoritarianism whatever you call it no that shit was totally a scientist cult you see the stuff that came out of Nazi Germany, as far as, like, technological advancements goes, in every part of technology, right? Between, like, medical science, drugs, and then you have, like, aviation, tanks and shit. They were way far ahead of their time. I don't know what they put in the water in the world, in Nazi Germany, but they must have put a fuck ton of acid in that water, because those dudes were thinking out of the box, all right? We were still flying around, and our P-51 just... And then these dudes come out of nowhere with, like, a Merchantsman 262 with ramjets, like, flying past us 200 miles an hour faster, just shooting the dick out of us. And the U.S. is like, hey, what the hell? And so as soon as the war was over, obviously we scooped up those scientists and were like, bam, bam, Operation Paperclip. Now they're here in the U.S., all right? I'll get into that in another podcast, hopefully, because I only know the surface story of it. I don't even know if I want to know more than the surface story, but that's a little history lesson for you guys. All right, let's see if we have any other recommendations on things that people want to hear about. Independence. This is from Julia. All right. Honestly, no one's independent. I'm just kidding. No. Independence is important because when you're trying to really become yourself and you're trying to search out your own consciousness and connect to that part of your consciousness that really gives you drive. You've got to be independent. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to separate that barrier of thought between is this my thought or is this someone else's thought? And uh, quite honestly, none of your thoughts are yours. But the thoughts that you really let speak to you when shit is silent those are the thoughts you want to hear. 
all right? It's like the Holy Ghost or whatever you call it, okay? I don't want to get all churchy on you guys because I'm not, I'm not very churchy, so I'm not going to pretend to be. But that's my take on independence is just being able to tune in to that part of you that is different from people and being comfortable with yourself when you're alone, right? I mean, I'm trying to be as independent as I can. This week, I'm most likely going to buy this uh, camper. It's this RV. It's a Ford Econoline. It's got that It's got that big boy, you know, 460 Ford in it. It's got a whole 225 horsepowers from 7.5 liters of American gas-guzzling fuck. Man, I'm honestly hyped about that because if I can get that RV then I'm going to be saving on rent like crazy because my rent, I mean, it's not bad. Like, I can't complain, but compared to what I make, it's just, it's not worth it. And I can put my money somewhere else. And so that's why I am getting this uh, RV because I think it's a good investment as far as saving money goes. It's in pretty decent condition, and uh, I have a ton of batteries. I have all these 18650s. And then, I can't remember what the other ones are. They're 27-somethings. 20, but they're just, they're bigger than 18650s. But lithium-ion, so they're high discharge. They're a little dangerous, you know. They can light up at any time and just fucking burn my whole RV to the ground. But I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to try and be as safe as I can with them as far as making a battery pack. And uh, I've never made a battery pack for anything, which I'm going to try to start getting a little more familiar with, you know, just starting out small, like, battery packs for, like, a phone or, like, a battery pack for my laptop or a battery pack that's a bomb. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't have said that. I bet, you know what, I bet even before I put this podcast out, the NSA is, like, putting me on the watch list they're like did you hear that motherfucker just say that he just said he's gonna make a battery bomb guess what nsa i just said it twice i I don't feel bad about it but yeah i'm buying an rv so i can be more independent because that's that's very important to me especially now that i'm 20 years old i haven't had a lot of independence until the past couple months because i mean when i was in utah living with my mom And I'm not saying that was bad, but when you've been living with your parents your whole life and you start to see your friends and stuff move out, you're like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, why am I letting my parents tell me to come home at 1230? All right, 1230, who knows what could be going on? I could be on Mars at 1230 on a weekend, all right? And I'm not going to go into detail about that either. But it's just a lot. Being independent is worth it. And being self-reliant is worth it. And so that's why I try to do as many things as I can as far as, like, spreading out my knowledge, like learning about different subjects and being mechanically inclined helps me be very independent. Like, my clutch, for example, on my car yesterday took a fat poop. Just kidding, not a fat poop, but one of the springs on it broke, and so now I've got that bitch in the garage and I'm trying to fix it, but... The upright on my uh, brake assembly, or my hub assembly, is just, 
it is just not cooperating. So I'll probably take an impact gun from work and just boom, boom, and get it off. Hopefully. If it doesn't, then, I don't know, push it off a cliff and call an insurance claim. Because I have no clue what to do at this point. But we will see. Um, let's see. What else do people want to hear about? Oh, here is a good one. This is from my boy Floyd, and he says the SR-71. All right, let's go into the SR-71. It's one of my favorite things to talk about in the world because, uh, well, it's the greatest piece of human engineering that's ever come out, right? This plane was made in what? It started to, they started to give birth to it in like the 60s and shit. It's still the fastest air-breathing plane. It still has the highest ceiling, like, altitude that it can go to. And, uh, it was just a marvel, right? You got those J-58 engines, uh, turbo ramjet, where we have the turbojet with an afterburner that eventually becomes just a full-on ramjet, right? Because you have, uh, you have those, those nose cones in front of the engines. They actually move forward and backward to deflect listen to this, to deflect the air coming in so it can bring it down to subsonic speed. And then from there, either the turbojet or the ramjet will ignite it to create thrust, right? That's unreal. This is like the 1960s. They were really, they were using their thinking caps. And not just that, because of the way it's set up, a hybrid engine you don't have drawbacks of either having a ramjet or just a turbojet, right? Because a turbojet, it's not going to get up to that speed very easily. You're just going to have a lot of stress on that turbine. But a ramjet is just compressing air and igniting it. So it's not even compressing it. The air's already compressed when you're going 2,000 miles an hour at 80,000 feet. So you just ignite it and use it as thrust. And, uh, one misconception of the SR-71 is that it's stealth. It's it's not a stealth plane. Like, it's not, it doesn't have any stealth technology. It's not a stealth, like, the shape of it isn't supposed to have a stealth signature. It just, there was nothing that could catch it. Like, there was no missiles that they could fire into the air that were able to hit the SR-71. Because it was that fast. Like, it was literally that fast. It would just outrun missiles. And even the posted, like, top speed, which was, like, 2,000, like, 300 or something. And then you had the A-12, which was a lighter, single-seater variant that the CIA initially developed. And uh, they were going to use that thing as, like, an interceptor, right? Fly over a plane, drop a missile, destroy the plane, right? But the problem they were having is none of the missiles could detach correctly or even get up to speed enough to detach, they would just basically disintegrate in the air because they couldn't handle that much speed. And it's a missile, right? This plane's faster than missiles. That just goes to show you how crazy it really is. Like, it'd go from coast to coast in like an hour or some shit like that. Holds all sorts of speed records. That's the SR-71. And uh, another cool thing about it is the skin, you know, this titanium skin which we bought from Russia during the Cold War. Like, like 80% of the titanium we got for it came from Russia. And they didn't even know. We used the titanium, built a plane to spy on them with. Alright, if that doesn't reek of CIA, then I don't know what does.
but that's the CIA for you. So, but what was I going to say about it? Oh, yeah, that titanium skin, right? They didn't have any sealant that could withstand the sort of duty that it would need to do to be like a, to seal a fuel cell for that airplane, right? Because you have intense heat that comes on with that speed, and then you have all the warping that comes on with the body, right? The body would warp like 20, not warp, it would stretch 26 inches. It's still warping, but it's stretching in a linear way because of the moving through the air in a straight line so it would stretch 26 inches the skin of the plane because it got so hot and uh, that's what would actually seal the fuel tanks right so when it was on the ground you could just see it leaking fuel like it was just dumping fuel and then once it got up once it took off it was almost empty and then it would just go to a tanker and it would refuel and then as soon as it was done refueling those motherfuckers just hit the gas and they got up to speed as quickly as possible so they could they could seal off those fuel tanks and uh yeah and the faster they went the more efficient it got because that's how planes should be but for some reason we have this idea today i don't even know honestly the aviation aviation industry could do a little better i'm not going to talk shit because it's not my place but <sighs> They could definitely do a little better. That's all I'm going to say. Like, we should have supersonic transports. And we did. We had the Concorde. And uh, they shut that shit down. That was revolutionary. I don't know why we didn't keep it. Because we have stuff now that we can use to, like, quiet down the sonic boom of a plane going supersonic speeds. And it doesn't even have to be going supersonic over land. Like, if you're flying over the ocean, no one, no one can hear you, alright? You're flying over the ocean. It's desolate, so why can't we have shit like that, like supersonic transports that go from, like, California to Japan in, like, two hours, or, like, from uh, New York to London in, like, that time, too, and we can have that, but we don't, but there's this really interesting show, it's called, uh, what is that called? Man in the High Castle. It's about, basically, if the Nazis won World War II. And I'm not, I don't want to go into it to spoil it, because it's a really good show if you guys want to watch it. But it, it talks about, or in the show, it shows these supersonic transports that these high-level military officials ride in. Supersonic transports. And I'm like, exactly. I'm like, why don't we have that now? And we should, but we don't. Because there's this thing called regulations, and they are basically just taxes on creativity. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I got a little bit off track, but yeah, SR-71, I'll probably go into detail of it in more podcasts eventually later on, because, I mean, I could talk about that plane for so long. In fact, I saw one the other day when I went to Pima Air Force Base down in Tucson, and I was just, it's like getting baptized when you see it, like you're renewed by looking at the plane. And, like, this sounds cheesy, and that sounds honestly kind of sacrilegious, but it's not. Like, I don't honest, honestly, like, the amount of manpower that went into that and the people that piloted it, those test pilots, they were, those dudes were just, they were so far ahead of their time. Like, they weren't like test pilots now where they train their whole life and 
They go through all this regulation. These test pilots were the same dudes that were engineering the plane, right? So it's not like they're building this plane for someone else. They're building this plane because they're about to jump in that thing and fly it. Like, those are some of, honestly, the most revolutionary human beings to live. And if we could get back to that mindset here in the U.S., where we have engineers that are just extremely brave over this stereotype that engineers have to be timid or engineers basically are taking orders from these executives or these uh, this management that belittles them so they can have more clout in a corporation, we need to get past that because that's hindering so much growth. And I see that every day when I work. And it makes me really sad because, honestly, like, I'm trying to get into school to study engineering because I never realized how much of a passion I had for it until I connected the fact that engineering and, like, all mechanics, like, it's just all the same. And I don't know why it took me 20 years to understand that when I've been studying planes my whole ass life and then also cars now the past 10 years as soon as I could even begin to start thinking I could drive, but... Yeah, if you want to you want to make a difference in the world, be an engineer. That's all I'm going to say. But if that's not your thing, then that's not your thing. Everyone likes what they like to do, and if you don't like doing something, don't don't fucking waste your time doing it. Okay? I don't care if it makes you money. If it doesn't make you happy, guess what? You're wasting your time. But some people don't have that luxury to make that choice. Actually, Everyone has the luxury to make that choice if you live here in America, right? You just have different levels of work you have to put in. So, um, what else we got? I feel like we got a lot done with this podcast so far, more than I think I would. I'm just flipping through my drawings right now. These aren't even notes. These are just drawings. I'll read them off to you. This is a drawing I drew of an electric drivetrain on a six-wheeled sand rail. There's the six-wheeled sand rail. There it is again. That's not six-wheeled sand rail. Oh, look, there's a supersonic transport that I drew. I like to draw a lot. I never realized how much I like to draw until I started doing it more and more and more. And then I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can take abstract ideas that I have just floating around in my head, bouncing around like a think tank, and I can put them to paper, which has been, it's been therapeutic too. It gets my creative juices flowing and it makes me think about things in a more physical way because generally when I walk around day to day, the way I perceive the world is just all almost noise really like I'm in my head a lot but when I draw I'm not in my head like I'm actually there like my pen and the paper exist but when I'm not drawing everything is like noise and uh and it's not just drawing like it's other things like like meditating or like being in nature just being there but I mean when you're in this machine it's hard to do that because you're just part of the machine like you're you're just numb day to day doing your work and watching the clock and shit like that. And I'm not, I'm not saying I hate my job because honestly I love my job, but eventually it's not going to be, it's not going to be worth it to expel my energy into something like that. Like, 
eventually I want to be creative without any boundaries. Like I want to be able to make things without people telling me why I should or shouldn't make it. I'll be making things because I want to. And uh, that's the goal. That's what, that is my goal in life. And uh, yeah, I love drawing, especially cars. I love drawing planes. I always have drawn planes since I was little. I haven't drawn them in a while until now, but I'm slowly understanding that all the things I did when I was younger, I just did them, right? I didn't have any judgment upon myself. I didn't have any conceived judgment that I would see from my peers or my family members. I just drew because I like drawing, and honestly, I want to get back to that because it's it's a good thing to have and uh it's a good pastime because i mean once you're drawing it's not about just drawing cars or about drawing planes or about drawing stuff that i like to draw but like other things too like i don't know drawing people drawing flowers like other plants and stuff like that like really uh i don't know art art is beautiful and i feel like the better I get at being an artist, the uh, the more my life will benefit from it. Because, I mean, you have people that talk about ideas and stuff like that, and you see them with their hands, like, trying to display them to you. But if you just give someone a pencil or a pen, and you just let their hands display it on a piece of paper, that gives you a little better idea of what they think of the idea and it also gives you a much better visual perception of what they're trying to explain to you. So I think everyone should draw. Even if you're not good, just start. Because even if you're doing it all the time and you're halfway decent, like that ability will benefit you so much. So everyone be creative. That's all I want to say to you guys. If I can give you the best piece of advice in my life, like, I can honestly only give you one piece of advice it's just stay creative all right drink mate oh, that is gas honestly mate it's so good um Mia. That's probably going to be the end of my first podcast. I'm sorry if you guys don't like this first one because you don't like cars. Uh, But that's all I could really talk about today. I'm just trying to get a little bit more comfortable being around this mic and talking a little more naturally. And so I feel like this was a success. And uh, tune tune in next week. Or I might even do another one this week. I probably won't because I'm driving to Utah or flying to Utah. Uh, So, yeah, this has been the first podcast for myself. This is uh, Cars in Controversy with Canyon. Goodbye, sluts.